Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have an absolutely killer talk with the Buffalo Bills assistant strength coach, Will Greenberg. Guys, after a real quick intro, Will is going to get into the, you know, the impact that his three unique mentors have had on him, not just when it comes to how he trains athletes, but also managerially how he handles his players as well. He also then dives down the rabbit hole of talking about how each of his spots and his different roles when it comes to the sporting world and working with different sports has impacted him and prepared him to be more better prepared to work in the National Football League. We then get into, you know, how they handle their players through the offseason and some of the unique circumstances around that, you know, both the pros and the cons and the things that kind of hamstring them and how they try to work their way around it and really get the players to buy in and, and dive right in with what they're trying to do. And then we finish off, guys, talking about, you know, this idea of structure governing function and not just how it is in the terms of training and programming and physical preparation, but how it is in the entire team structure and culture as a whole. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Will, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Got it. Hey, man. So I'm stoked to have a guy that's up in upstate New York right now on the show. Uh, but let's let's give everybody the quick SparkNotes version of, you know, where you're at, how you got there, and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, long stories. I'm sure every strength coach has a long story of where they get. Uh, so this is my starting my third year with the Buffalo Bills. I'll work backwards from there. Um, before I got here, I was the director of sports performance at a small FCS school, Southern Utah. Um, before that, I spent two and a half years at Army West Point with their football team. Um, and then actually before that, I had been in basketball. Uh, so I was at App State. And then I was a GA and assistant for Preston Green at both Florida and Clemson. Um, but really, so I mean, I, I've been all over the map. I've, I've worked in college football. I've worked in college basketball. I've worked in the NFL now. And then I think it's important also to discuss that for the first year or two out of college, I was working in the private setting. I worked from everyone from the age of three, four, and five to 65, 66, you know, up, up, up towards, up towards um, you know, older population. So I've kind of spanned the whole spectrum. Um, and I think that's helped me develop the approach that I take in terms of strength conditioning. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of different scenarios. I've talked to a lot of different people. I've had to coach in a lot of different ways. So I, I think that coming through actually from the basketball side really helped me to where I am now. 
because you know once you get indoctrinated into the football part of things it's it's easy to be a little bit myopic because that's what you've only seen because um, you know if you stay in football all the time all you've seen is football so it, it definitely helped me out in the way that you know I didn't take the traditional route um, and I've also been around really good people you know um, even the private setting Steve Handy and Tony, Tony Russo who most people who hear this podcast may not um, recognize were huge influences on me and then taking me into working with Preston Green and, and being introduced to Charles Poliquin and spending time with Charles Poliquin, you know, in, in a time where he shaped me as a strength coach. Um, and then going out to try those things on my own as I become a director somewhere and I get to try things that I've seen and, hey, does that work for me? This doesn't work for me. Shape my own path. Um, so everywhere I've kind of been without being too long-winded like I am is, you know, I've learned and I've gone somewhere and implemented. And then I've learned and I've gone somewhere and implemented. And now I'm back with the Buffalo Bills as an assistant, learning more about the professional side of things, how to be a professional in what I do, um, not just developing humans, but optimizing humans. So, you know, I've, it's, it's, it's been a journey. It will continue to be a journey. And hopefully I do the same thing going forward. I love it. I, and what I love the most is I'm a huge Preston Green guy. You know, we were talking off camera about our connections with the whole Stucky family. Mm -hmm. with you with Siano up there and me working for Stu for a while down here. Uh, but the Preston Green tree too, working under Brandon Horgan for a few years and uh, yep. competing against P, competing, like we really compete. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> when he was at UNC Charlotte and uh, dude, such a super dude, really an interesting educational path because you're yeah. talking, you know, the Stucky hatch cycle, family coming out of Tennessee and the late Charles Poliquin's like almost could say number one disciple. Those yeah. are two really different schools. So let's talk about how this is kind of melded together in your educational path. With sure. And I, you know, I'll add on, on the front end of that, uh, Gary Gray and the biomechanics side of things is where when I was in the private setting, I spent a lot of time people shaping me in, Hey, understand biomechanics first. Um, so I'll throw that in there as well. I mean, three completely separate, different approaches. Um, and for me, it, it allowed me to open my eyes to, wow, there's more, more than one way to skin a cat. Um, so I'm constantly questioning, constantly saying, hey, are you right? Am I right? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why am I doing this? You know, I constantly question myself, other people. I constantly have conversations with people. You know, I, I try to read as much as I can, I'll, you know, just like every strength coach, they put out how much they read, all these articles, different stuff. But to me, having conversations with people is, and, and seeing people's process and understanding their approaches, and not just in that small context. You know, you, you might see something online or read something, and, hey, that's a very small context of what we're trying to draw out. So being able to watch those processes from Gary Gray and people that I worked with there, to watching Preston, how he, how he took Charles's method uh, principles and methods and applied it to the collegiate setting where now you have it in a group setting you have it with guys who may not want to do what we're asking them to do you know how do we get them to buy into that and then in turn when we get to the football side of things and i have tim karen who worked with double a and ciano um of taking since i had just been uh used to watching basketball now all of a sudden we have at army we had 125 guys on the roster Right. So now all of a sudden, hey, we have three groups 
40 guys coming through. We got an hour to get the most out of them. I mean, that was brand new to me the first time I got it. So, okay, I, I could sit back and watch Tim Karen, who I think is one of the, the best coaches I've ever watched, and see his process and how he controls a room and how he speaks to a room. And I could learn how to public speak better. And I come here and I watch Siano and how professional and everything is set to a T and how he approaches things. So every person I've been with has taught me something different, you know, has developed me in a way, whether they know it or not, has developed me by, the, by me watching them and learning from them. And that's really how I go about my learning process is, like I said, watching people, but spending time talking to people. So now, now that I'm not with Tim, for example, and he's in LA, he and I talk on the phone. I, I'm not even joking every single day, right? It's like, we're, we're like a married couple. And, and for Tim, you can't get him off the phone. I mean, he's going to be speaking for 90 minutes at least. If you're going to have a conversation with him. And then another guy, Brian Phillips, who worked with us at, at Army as well, same thing. If, if I hang out with Tim, I immediately call Brian. And the three of us are just constantly throwing things against each other. Hey, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Well, what are you seeing today? What did you get better at today? What did you fail at today? Just constantly talking. So, you know, I, I've just been so lucky to be, like you said, be around people from different places, different, seeing different things, and learning their processes. And then moving through those, there's, there's been a lot of big steps when it comes to the coaching realm. So how is that time being an assistant and then running the show in basketball, how yep. is that almost one-on-one-ish compared to what you were looking at at Army? How yeah. has that led to that? And then how has that time at Army prepped you for your time in the NFL? Mm, yeah, so, you know, when, it was, when I was on my own in basketball, I was really implementing – it was – I mean, if you walked in, you were, you were watching strict four-second tempos, eight-second tempos, whatever was planned for that day. And, I mean, I was, I was MFing guys to make sure that that stuff was on cue, right? And, and we might have two guys in there, and they might be on separate programs. So my, in, in, from with Preston and from Charles's realm and then going out on my own, I really learned how to train, like, like the importance of training properly. And I'm not even just talking about technique, but I'm talking about the, the rep being perfect, the tempo being perfect the execution being perfect, everything from there, like how, how do you train well? And it was probably a perfect transition in going to Army uh, because those guys are just so highly tuned. Like you tell them one thing and they run with it. You know, I mean, it's, it, they're so great to coach. And now, now I'm not saying they, they didn't mess up on anything, but once you fix them, they were perfect. So that helped me transition into that. And then from, when I got there, you know, I would say, hey, Tim, we should do this, this, and this. He's like, listen, it's not basketball anymore. You know, you don't, you don't have one-on-one. Now, we got 30 guys who are injured, upper body injured guys, you know, when we first got there. Hey, we can't be doing external rotation off the knee with a four-second tempo with everyone. Let's find a better way to do it. So it made me adapt to that. You know, it made me adapt to understand um, what we could do. But then spending time – and a great question that you asked. I mean, spending time in Army – you're spending your time with players who are going to be the nation's future leaders. You know, how humbling is that? How humbling is it that this guy that you're teaching from just an empty barbell, how to clean, how to snatch, how to squat, how to move, you know, this guy, he couldn't do anything when he first got it. In, in four years' time, he's going to graduate as a second lieutenant. And then four years from then, he might be a captain. He might be. He might have moved on, and one day he might be a general of the 
U.S. Army. I mean, he he's going to be leading men. So what you, what the cool part about that is that you're leading these young men to become men, and they're going to go ahead and model what you do for them with all the soldiers that they will have in their presence, you know, years ahead of time. So I, I still keep in contact with a lot of those guys. Some of my greatest um, relationships are from my two and a half years at, at West Point. Um, but the cool thing about that is you saw the process of building leadership. And then it doesn't matter where you go from here, from high school to college to the NFL, anywhere from there, you're constantly going to be trying to figure out, number one, how to lead people, but then also how to develop leaders. So, I mean, it was, it was the greatest transition in my life of I can watch this unfold over a few years of how these people transition, how you can speak to them, how you can develop them, the, the ways you can make them better as leaders of, of other people. That's awesome, especially when you're dealing with a team right now that's got a bunch of young guys in the main leadership positions. Mm. Oh, yeah. With the Bills, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, what, a third, of our, a third of our team was first and second year guys last year. Um, so, and you're absolutely right. And, you know, our coach talks about that a lot. Of, we, we're, we're developing people to be the best version of themselves. And that's constantly what we're trying to do. So every stop that I've had, I've, I've tried to find a way or try to try to learn from what I've done right or wrong there of how to make people the best versions of themselves. And then, you know, anywhere you go, any business you're in, that's what you're trying to do. If, if you're leading people in any way, or you're trying to help develop or optimize people in ways. How do we take this person and make them the best, best version of themselves? A thousand percent. But now when you're dealing with these men in the NFL, there's a lot of instances where you could be hamstrung in that. Mm. So let's talk about some of those new challenges that you've had these last few years and, and going from the almost 12-month athlete that you have in the NCAA yeah. to yeah. dealing with everything that comes along with the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you have limitations. Here's the thing. You have limitations in any realm, like high school, college, NFL, right? In, in, in college, for example, you had to <clears throat> deal with class scheduling. Here, we don't have that, right? So there, there are certain ebbs and flows. There are certain positive and negatives to each situation. Obviously, we don't have them as long period of time as we do in college. But at the same time, you got to think these guys, if they're playing the NFL, most likely have had some development training. Let's say the first maybe a couple of years in high school, three, four, five years in college, a few years in the league. It's not that we're needing to develop them for long periods of time, right? It, obviously, the more training time we have with them, the better. And that's going to be great. Um, but they're highly adaptable athletes. They've trained for long periods of time in their life. Their reserve to be strong is so great that we're, fi we're constantly fine-tuning them. So we have, to find, we have to be clever in our ways to make sure that we're training them, understanding those principles, right? understanding that, hey, we're going to have a short development, de development period, you can call it a short time in the off-season with them. They're going to train on their own for a little bit. But now we have this massive block of time with them in the in-season, right, four, four or five weeks in preseason, and then a 17-week season, hopefully four or five weeks in the postseason. Well, that's, that's half a year that we have training time available to us. How do we make that 
last? How do we make an impact in that time? And if we have a guy on a multi-year contract, then we know that that training period right there hopefully can move into next year. And hopefully we do a good enough job. And I'm, like you said, you're from Western New York. Most guys aren't going to stay around Buffalo. But sure, we've had 15 different guys in this winter, and it's been, you know, below zero. You know, hopefully we do a good enough job that they know that they're going to come back. They're going to train with us in the off season, meaning, you know, January, February, March, et cetera. That when we come back April 15th or they've done it on their own, they're still ready to go and they're still training. They understand the importance of it. So really, as I, in my opinion, the NFL, you got to be a salesman just like any personal trainer out there that, hey, training is important. Training is important. Training in the right way is important. And we've done a good enough job that we let you be autonomous outside of the building you're doing it just the same as, as you would inside our building. So, you know, I think we have a lot of really good players and, uh, you know, I'm excited for that. So then how do you handle those that don't have quite the intestinal fortitude to handle Western New York in the, in the lovely months of February and March? Um, you know, I, they're, they're going to be able to train on their own. So, you know, we give them a program, um, what we think is best practice for them in that time. And they can go, they'll go to their home or wherever they're going to be traveling around that time. Cause you know, rightfully so they get a, they get a good break there. Um, so they'll be able to train on their own with our program. Um, you know, whether some go to personal trainers, some do some things out on their own, you know, that's up to them and, and we can't really contact them because of the, the CBA, but when they are, when they are here, you know, we're going to give them the best practice that, uh, of training that we can give them. I love that. Because I, I can see how that could be a challenge more so for, for you guys than, than other places, you know, unfairly. Because it can be tough up there. And a lot of these guys are, are going to be from more warmer weather climates. Sure. And have access to, to being, you know, like if you're from Alabama and Texas, you can be outside training right now, which unfortunately when, you know, in Rochester, New York, the only way I was going to be outside training is if I had my skates and my gloves on and I was out right, there stick right. handling. Yeah. Um, but then how now do you guys look at this and make sure, because again, like if these guys are on their own, what I think could be a fun challenge is like, because they're professionals, they have to make sure they're doing what's best for number one. But because it's a team, everyone needs to be able to set and, and hit predictable standards. Mm -hmm. So are there standards that you guys have set for them? Are there evaluations like we would have when they return to campus? Or is this more of a thing like they just need to be ready to practice? Um, yeah, we have, I mean, we have our standards. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to screen guys when they come in and, you know, especially medically, see where they are. But, you know, generally it's – it's interesting, the game changes so fast that certain positional norms will change year by year. Um, you know, we're not going to one rep max. We're not going to first day back, hey, let's see where we are one rep max. We're going to ease into training, see where we're at. You know, it, it, in terms of testing, like, as we go through training, we see where guys are. We understand where they are. Um, and we're a long way out from the season. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's a little – uh we make sure that we do all our screening that we do here um 
but yeah, there's, I mean, it's, you get so many new guys in a year is, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of chaotic at first, but you know, that's, that's one of the fun challenges is, is making sure those guys are getting the training that they need individually. And I think that another fun challenge in a different way that I think relates to your time in college basketball is the actual length of the entire competitive calendar. Oh yeah. Um, now, how, how has that view changed from your time at Clemson and then down in the swamp and then, you know, up on the mountain, yep. and now moving into the, to Army and then now, you know, in upstate New York? I yeah. can see that, you know, October to March. I mean, that's uh, yeah. I mean, September that's a now. Season. It's a yeah. long season for basketball. Right. With different challenges. But how could that – preparation professionally have assisted or what are some things that you see that we're doing in college basketball that couldn't work or things you're doing better in the NFL now that you've seen this on the outside? Uh, tra- just consistent training, you know, I mean, ke- keeping guys on the court, keeping guys on the field, you know, I think um, in basketball, it's starting to, it's starting to become more prevalent that guys are actually training, lifting weights, getting under load in some capacity to keep their tissues healthy. Um, you know, I get that's not always been the case in basketball. And I think, um, you know, yourself and Preston and a bunch of these guys have, have really pushed that. Um, and you see the same thing in, in football. I mean, obviously football lifts weights a little bit more. Is the necessity is obviously there. Um, but throughout a season, keeping guys under load is the same thing. We, I mean, we need guys healthy for 16-plus games. Uh, we know that we need to put some load on them systematically to keep them healthy for each week, let alone optimized for each week or fresh towards the end of the year. So um, it's balancing those loads, whether it be from practice to the weight room to stress management and how we're, how we're mitigating any factors. Um, you know, but the same thing goes in basketball, same thing goes in any sport. But the longer the sport, the, the longer the training period you get from um, just consistently being there. Now I want to touch on something that you talked about because this is something that, that fascinates me, especially looking at it from different sports. You, know, you talked about optimizing and loads and things of that nature. How are you tracking these guys and how are you making sure to the best of your ability, to the best of Eric and Will's ability, that you are optimizing and managing these loads both in practice and with training yeah. to make sure that you know those we're going to hear the bills make me want to shout more often and, you know, right, things right. are going yeah, to yeah. keep moving that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of really good research, a lot of good literature. Um, and we have our metrics that we keep. Um, but I think a lot of this comes to, comes to conversations with guys. Um, I mean, we're going to, you know, we, we have our, we have GPS, we have a lot of different load, me- uh, load metric systems that we look at and we try to boil it down to what's most important. But at the end of the day, all those are conversation starters as well. You know, hey, hey screening was here, load was here. You know, hey, I'm, I might need to have a conversation with the guy. Hey, how you doing? You know, how you feeling? What's this looking like? Are you feeling sore? And in college, that's that's a real conversation to have because guys are guys are going to be there for four years and they're very open to that. Um, you know, if got whenever whatever level when guys trust you, you're going to be open with hey. You know, this is nagging me, or I'm feeling this, or I'm feeling that. I didn't sleep well last night. Um, but a lot of these things are just conversation drivers. Oh, well, you're feeling like this. Here's the here's the antidote. Um, you know, because 
you know, everyone, everyone wishes, I wish that there was this standard met metric that said, this guy is ready to play. This guy is not ready to play. This is how much he should do. This is how much he shouldn't do. This is exactly what to do, but it's not, you know, we're not there yet. And we'll probably never get there because there's a human aspect to all of this. And that human aspect is having a conversation with someone, having the trust and the buy-in to say, Hey, whatever you're, is ailing you, I'm going to do my best to help fix it. Let's get on the same page. Let's figure this out. And let's do the interventions that are necessary to keep you healthy for as long as possible. Yes. But then the difference, too, between the young men that you had the opportunity to work with in college and the mm -hmm. young men that you're working with in the NFL is a contract. How yep. often do you, do you feel that that could limit some of that communication? That a guy might be dinged up and might need some time and might need a day off, but they're just afraid of losing their job. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, structure governs function, um, you know, but, but human beings are human beings. I mean, they're, they want to, they want to feel a sense of purpose and autonomy and, and, a sense of trust from their coach. And for me, they try, I, I find a way to develop relationships with as many people as I can so they can trust in the fact that I'm trying to help them out as best I can. And I'm impartial to who I'm helping, you know, and, and as long as my athletes know that about me, then you don't run into those issues as much as you think. I love that structure governs function. Let's yep. run down that rabbit hole a little bit. Let's discuss sure. what that actually means so people can get, a, get their heads sure. around it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a common uh, quote in biomechanics, right? The, the way that you are structured is going to govern how the body is going to function. Um, but it, in, to me, it applies to culture. Everyone talks about, you know, quote unquote culture all the time. Um, and then it also leads back to a quote that um, Tim Karen used to always say that when he said it the first time, it, it etched in my brain is that, You'll be great at what you emphasize and you get what you tolerate. So if I want to emphasize something all the time, we're going to be great at that, right? If I want to emphasize standing on one leg and quacking like a duck, we're going to be really great at that if we do it all the time. And I tell guys, they believe me that that's important. So whatever you find is important, you want to emphasize that so that the team can be great at that or the player can be great at that. And then on the flip side is if you tolerate whatever you want to tolerate, right? Whatever you allow to happen is what you're going to get on a consistent basis. So, you know, obviously all strength coaches are very disciplined and structured. Hey, discipline, 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 discipline. Well, that's true. You know, we, we want to, we want, we don't, we don't to want to tolerate much. We don't want to tolerate guys being late. We don't want to tolerate skipping sets, skipping reps. But if you tolerate that once, you're going to get, you're going to get it over and over again. All of a sudden it becomes an issue. Right. So to me, in your culture, the way that you structure things governs how things function and how your culture grows. And so I, I sometimes think, think a little bit abstractly philosophical. Um, and I, I kind of see it as like a swimming pool. Like everyone's got a round swimming pool. And, and this is the other way I see structure governance function. And as strength coaches, as coaches, we're all trying to fill up the water into that pool as best we can. Right. Oh, I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to do it like this. Well, guess what? Everyone's got the same size pool. Everyone's got the same shape pool. Well, if you want to be a disruptor of an industry, if you want to change the way things are done, you want to change the landscape of what being a strength coach looks like, you then have to change the structure of the pool. Right. So by changing the structure of the pool, I mean, okay, let's think outside the box. Right. 
uh, I, you know, I recently went out to Australia and saw how some of these high-performance directors were approaching performance and communication amongst the team and uh, in the way things are, are done. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just thinking outside the box of it doesn't have to be, hey, let's just talk about sets, reps, and, and tempo all the time. You know, there's a lot of things that go into making of a team, making of a human being, and it's a constantly evolving dynamic structure every year because you have new players, you have new coaches, you have new thoughts and ideas, and you have new struggles outside of the facility. So the, the way that you structure what you want in the weight room, and I know I kind of got a little off topic philosophical, but the way you structure things in the weight room and you go, you go like you, you say, Hey, this is how it's going to look. This is how us as a coaches, we're going to coach you. Hey, this is how I want the players to interact. Hey, this is where I want to set my racks up so that guys interact in a certain way. They have collisions throughout the day. You know, Hey, this is where I do this. That's going to determine your function. So you have to understand that, you know, it's not just a weight room and you're a coach and sets of reps. There's a whole structure to that and understanding that looking outside. Okay. Like let's zoom out and look at everything or guys are skipping reps. Why are they skipping reps? Right. Was it not clearly communicated? Was it because the guy hasn't bought into your system? Was it because the guy he's next to on the rack, they, they're, they're arguing about some girl. I mean, like, is there's, there's a lot of things that go into the functioning of a, of a day-to-day process. And then and the function ends up being well, daily behaviors and, and your outcome. So it's, you know, it is a biomechanics adage, but at the end of the day, it's, you can, you can make it whatever you want. Yes, absolutely sensational. Well, that's fantastic stuff, man. Well, let me, let me get you out of here on this brother. Where can people find more about you? Where can they see what you're doing? Where can they keep up with you? Uh, honestly, I, I'm so, I'm so mixed on social media. I, I don't know whether I want to tweet about things or just sit back and get rid of it all. So, I mean, I do have a Twitter. I think it's at coach underscore Will G. But honestly, you know, I find my phone number from someone. Like, I, I always tell people that I talk to, my old my interns, my old assistants, people that I meet, like, call me up. And I, I will have an hour conversation with you every day if you call me. Like, I, I will. And, and I'll get something from it. You'll get something from it. But really, the only two people that have ever taken me up on that are Brian and Tim. And to this day, we still talk every single day. We just talk and talk and talk and, and communicate. Um, so, you know, I, if you find my number, feel free to call me at any point and text me. Like, that, that's really the, the, the best way to get in touch with me. But. I love it, man. And giving back and helping people out and sharing information is the way to go, brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, I truly appreciate your time, Will. This is sensational. Uh, people are going to love it, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much, and we'll be in touch soon. Cool. Take it easy. You too. And a huge thanks to Will Greenberg for spending the time with us today. Guys, open, honest, candid sharing. And let's just get to it. Like This idea of structure governing function, not just when it comes to you know, the obvious stuff that we think of when we're talking about physical preparation or strength and conditioning, looking at like, you know, whether you want to look at it as a joint by joint approach or whatever it may be, looking at it now all encompassing when it comes to your entire organization, whether it be the culture from the top down or organization or whatever it is, it's really sensational stuff. I can't thank Will enough for spending the time with us today. This is absolutely killer stuff. And Will, best of luck up there. Uh, selfishly rooting for you hard, brother. As an upstate New York guy and a big Bills fan, I can't thank you enough for your time and all your work with the guys up there. 
And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we are just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.